if you're in a group and you're rolling, like try to keep your hands open, keep your hands on the brakes, keep your hands, you know, accessible to the brakes, but keep them open because as soon as you start to hook your fingers around the hood, you're putting pressure on the underside, which pulls the top of the hand down. So you're adding pressure to your hands, essentially, as soon as you start to grip. So is no hands even better? No hands is great. Just sitting up, no Not hands? Not safe, but... <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. Today, Bike Fit Series. Bike Fit. Bringing it back. Yep. Bringing back the Bike Fit Series. And we're going to talk about hand numbness. Yes. We did knee pain last time. Yep. Very common. Super common. Hand numbness. Is that number two? Or are they pretty even? They're pretty even. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we're going to talk about how to kind of like diagnose hand numbness Mm -hmm. and kind of the steps that I go through during a bike fit. There was a lot of ways I was trying to figure out how to make this work to where people could kind of diagnose it themselves. Yeah. But every way I went about it, it was still came back to like, you still have to check everything Mm -hmm. because in bike fitting, every movement you make affects five others. Exactly. So you can't, take one thing into consideration without kind of looking at everything else. So we're going to talk about hand numbness, but we're basically going to go through the steps that I go through during a bike fit. Excellent. So with that, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time crunch athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking us out on Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, all up on that Instagram at BPC Performance, and wherever you get your podcasts from Spotify, all of them, Apple. Just make sure you uh, take a quick sec mm-hmm. and give us the old five star. <laughs> Exactly. We're still looking for that person. It's out of 10 th- stars. It's out of 10 stars. So if you think we're just 50%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just go with five. And if you're, if you, uh, if you get something out of it, a review is also extremely helpful. Yes. Subscribe, like, share, yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. All right. So hand numbness. Yeah, let's kick it off. It's I mean, like, so you fit like let's let's kind of go into your your fitting background now for for people who didn't catch the first one. I mean, you've you've been doing probably four fits a week. It seems like now for quite some time. You're uh, well over multiple hundreds of bike fits. Completed. I've got, um, yeah. I mean, I've been fitting for 13 years, and I probably have a I have a database of close to 600 bikes that I've put my hands on. Yeah, so this isn't like you fit you fit four different people and you've had one person with <laughs> with a hand numbness issue that you've troubleshooted and found an answer to. No, it is literally second, you know, most common to second most common thing that comes through the door is hand numbness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like in bike fitting, everyone deserves to have a good fit. I, like. You, you you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know what a good fit feels like until they have one. 
you you can't blame your fit for lack of fitness. Uh, so if you're you know if you're having hand numbness like way late in a ride or something like that, it's hard to really say it's the fit because yeah. there's always going to be a level of body breakdown that mm -hmm. happens when you're challenging your fitness, whether it be longer or harder, or whatever, yeah, um, or both. You know, your core is going to break down. You know, the muscles are getting tired. Your your core is not going to hold you up. You're going to add weight to your to your hands and stuff like that. So body position changes. Yeah, I pedal mean, stroke changes, like all that. So same with running. You know, this is obviously we're talking about bike fit, but it's going to be similar to someone who's out running. Watch someone at the start of a marathon, and then watch them as they cross <laughs> the, the finish line, and you yeah the marathon shuffle by the end, yeah. and you get a good feel for for what happens as fatigue starts taking over over the course course of a longer session. And so like if you just got hand numbness lately and you've been riding longer and adding volume or duration or workload or whatever, just chill on it and let it see if it works itself out. But if you have hand numbness that comes on during a normal duration, intensity, workload ride, especially if it happens really early, mm -hmm. like that's where we, we got to figure it out. You really should not have to ride unless you have an existing uh, nerve issue or yeah. damage or something like that that we cannot fix with positioning that needs to be it needs to be fixed with strength and physical therapy or flexibility or something like that then yeah but a lot of the time i would say most of the time we can fix it with positioning yeah. if it's not just a major issue so causes a hand numbness basically it's it's two major things you got blood flow or a nerve issue to be perfectly honest, I don't think blood flow is the major issue here. I would say roughly, <laughs> <laughs> roughly 80% of the people that I see with hand numbness, it's a nerve thing and it's a positional thing that's tripping a nerve. Now, is that something as you get them on the bike and you're going through the fit, you can kind of tell or is that? I look for a lot of visual cues. Um, this is not like diagnosing hand numbness is not something that is going to show up in an angle per se mm -hmm. or something like that. It's going to show up in their body. Like, yeah. are they shrugging their shoulders? Are they reaching forward with their shoulders? Yeah. Are they, you know, are they keeping By reaching forward? You mean like down and towards the jutting, bars or like yeah. up towards the ears? If the front, well, both, if you're, if you're shrugging your shoulders up towards your ears, you can be tripping a nerve in your shoulder or in your neck. Yeah. If you're jutting that shoulder forward because you're re having to reach too far. It's like spreading the shoulder blades. Yeah, you're you're protracting the shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, you're reaching really far, you can trip a nerve that way. The other part is is your neck. If there's too much flexion in your neck, and that's probably it's 50-50. Like with your um if your neck is like tilted backwards quite a bit you're craning your neck back like you could chin chin to the sky yeah you yeah. could easily be tripping a nerve in your neck yeah um and that cervical the nerves you know in your cervical spine go down your arms like a lot of them travel right down through the shoulder and into your arm and your hands so those are the ones we're most concerned about now so, do you do, do some people experience like certain fingers versus whole hands is it yeah. Is that point to one side or the other from your experience or is that something? Yeah. So normally if it's like a whole hand, it usually is, it usually originates more in the, in the neck and shoulders. And if you're getting, generally, if you're getting like 
your last two fingers because mm-hmm. the two the two nerves that run into your or the major nerves that run into your hands that you will trip will either send your last two fingers numb or they'll send basically your first three numb. So kind of like the lobster gloves that yeah. you'd wear in the wintertime? Sure. Yeah. So if it's a, usually if it's a wrist or hand pressure majorly, mm-hmm. then it's, it'll send it to, to one side or the other. Be isolated to one or the yeah. other. If it's more whole hand, it's more neck and shoulder. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, your goal really is to balance out, you know, the goal in bike fitting in general is to balance out the weight in the major touch points, feet, butt, hands. Mm-hmm. And, any one of them being off sends weight to the others. So when I do a bike fit, the number one thing, the first thing I look at is seat height. And the seat height, if the seat is too high, you're gonna be adding a ton of weight to your butt. And because now there's no weight on your feet, mm-hmm. all that weight is usually transferred to your hands. Cause your butt doesn't like too much weight. Your butt is gonna do whatever. Right. Uh-uh. Yeah, if you've ever had uh, soft tissue issue, look, I, I know we could go on with other issues here, but yeah. if you have pain in the saddle mm-hmm. or getting numbness where it shouldn't be numb, say that, lower the saddle a little bit. Let's start bringing it down and yeah. see if that pressure comes off. So I always check seat height first because probably, I mean, again, it's a vast majority of people come in, their seat's too high. Gotcha. And so that- So it, that you notice that more common than like seat too low. Hundred percent. Yeah, okay. yeah. Occasionally, I'll get somebody that comes in with, with too low. Yeah. But too low doesn't normally cause hand numbness. Yeah. So if they're coming in, they're likely not coming in because of hand numbness issues. Yeah. Too low is usually like a foot or back or butt issue. Gotcha. Okay. Um, because your pelvis rolls too far backwards. Gotcha. Anyway, so on the hands, if the saddle is in the right spot, you you have a decent amount of weight on the feet the feet takes weight off the butt and then the butt will take weight off the hands. Like you're, you're balancing everything out. Mm -hmm. Um, so seat height, you have to check it first and foremost. Secondarily to seat height is the tilt. Fore and aft is not usually the major issue. People, because of like, if you read anything on the internet about bike fitting, you'll, you'll read the, the cops thing, which you already did the bad boys thing uh-huh. last time. <laughs> so don't, <laughs> yeah, the, the knee over pedal. It's gonna be stuck in my head. Now. Like, so, so most people will go like you get people in here and almost everyone is straight knee over pedal. Like, and by that, for those that aren't familiar, if you take a plumb bob, yep. And you and run take it, it from down. that bony process under the knee down it going straight through the pedal spindle. Pedal spindle. Yeah. That would be cops. Yeah. Bad boys. That's bad a, boys. There you go. I'll let you go. <laughs> That's the starting point for yeah. most people. And it's a good starting point for most people. But a lot of times it's it's your seat is just tilted poorly. Yeah. And people people will when the seat's too high and they're getting a ton of nose pressure their first instinct is to tilt the saddle down instead of yep. lowering it. So they tilt the saddle down and now they've just created a slide for themselves mm-hmm. to slide off the front and add pressure to your hands. And while you're riding, you don't want to slide off your saddle. So what do you do? Push against it. Yeah. Yeah. You so try you to spend the whole ride trying to prop yourself up and prevent yourself from sliding down the nose. And even like, this is something I've experienced before because I've I've kind of played around with saddle tilt some, especially on my time trial bike. And 
small little degrees in tilt make a massive difference in oh yeah in saddle pressure and also weight through the front end of my bike yeah the the you know for most people the internet is a terrible place to go and find information on this stuff uh if you look at pictures of some of the like the pro like guys Mm -hmm. i mean their saddle height is incredible because they're on a bike that's two sizes too small for them Mm -hmm. but they have mechanics and people to help them make that bike work for them yeah so they can get that aggressive position but i mean i've seen i've seen pro folks with their saddle probably like 15 degrees down and it's i'm like i have no idea how they're they can ride 100 plus miles a day on that thing like no idea Mm -hmm. but they're not the general population they're not no so like you what when you my tip for people when they're setting this the tilt on their saddle find the sweet spot of the saddle don't pay attention to the back don't pay attention to the front where you believe you're going to sit the majority of your time that's the point that's going to be level mm-hmm. if the back goes up some that's great it's there it's there to help you cue you to p- tilt your pelvis at the right time um and then if the nose like you don't want to level the the nose the the rivet so to speak because you don't want to you don't want to be out there a ton like you don't want to be on the tip of the saddle a lot. Yeah, the only time you would be there is if you have extreme pelvic roll forward. Right. Like you're really getting down into an aggressive low position is the only time. Cause otherwise you're not resting on areas of the anatomy that no. are meant to handle your body weight. Correct. Or a third of your body weight or whatever the math ends up Co- being. Correct. Check. And nobody <laughs> wants, and again, you don't want that much pressure in the nether regions, mm-hmm. you know, when you're riding just the tip of a saddle. Yeah. Um, so check the tilt. Tilt. Level. So step one, height. Height. Step two, tilt. Check the check the sweet spot. And of the in saddle. general, it's going to be too much forward tilt. So nose of saddle down yep. more relative to the rear of the saddle when we're Slight. dealing with with hand. The sweet spot of the, the saddle. Sweet spot. If you look at the yes. sweet spot of the saddle level it and then kind of move it mm-hmm. one way or the other. You know, if you're getting nose pressure to your point earlier, go in Tiny. small increments, yes. very small increments, uh, it, you know, because it will small amount of nose down huge. is a lot of weight in the hands. Huge difference. Yep. So step three up, up nose up takes weight off the hands, but adds pressure to your, your junk. Yeah. Nose down, takes weight off your junk, puts weight on your hands. Yep. All right. So just start level. Start with the sweet spot level. So seat height, level. Fore and aft is the last thing I would check on the seat for hand numbness anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, if your saddle, if you find you drop a plumb bob from that, from that bony process, you know, blow your uh, kneecap if it goes behind the pedal spindle you can afford to come forward on that saddle so at least get yourself centered up and then you could possibly even go further forward and the reason we would move the saddle forward 
for hand numbness is to shorten the reach of the bike. So you could be, if you feel like you're riding with very straight arms, mm -hmm. like like reaching forever for, for the bars, yeah. you're, you're probably better suited to come forward a little bit and shorten that reach uh, so that you can actually carry a slight bend in the elbows. If fore and aft is the issue, it's very, it's very obvious right away. Gotcha. Because you're the, they look like they're reaching into no man's land. They just can't ever get there. Or if you find, if you find, this is really common. If you find that, um, when you ride, your hands are more comfortable choked way back on the hoods. Yeah. There's a good chance that you need to bring either shorten the stem or I was going to say, at what point is it a, a stem issue <laughs> and not a saddle issue? You're using, are you using the knee over pedal stroke as a reference point there? Or is it knee over pedal as your guide, your baseline. Okay. And then if you are at knee over pedal and it's still way long, yeah. it's probably a stem or a bike. Yeah. Bike <laughs> size. Th issue. This is where like, I would say if you're, if you're really thinking it's a reach issue, go get a fit, mm -hmm. uh, go get a professional look at it because you don't want to keep scooting it so far forward that you end up with a knee problem and you don't want to shorten the bike so much that, um, you're, you're cramped now yeah. and you can't like get out of the saddle. I don't know if you've ever tried to get out of the saddle on a bike that's too short. It's, it sucks. It's, it's not fun. Especially if you're on like a, a triathlon specific bike where you start bashing your knees into the, uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> the arm pads. You just have no power. You got nowhere no. to go. Yeah. Um, so fore and aft is not usually the issue for, for hand numbness. There's a lot of other things that can be a problem with, but so height, tilt, fore and aft, kind of check it, knee over pedal. We can kind of get to that point. At mm -hmm. least it's a starting point for you. It may not mm -hmm. be optimized for your pedal stroke, but it's a good starting point. Once, once you're beyond that, now we're talking about messing with the bars. Okay. And so if I break it into like, if I'm talking about neck and shoulder, like what you could trip in the neck and shoulders, mm -hmm. I would say... More commonly these days, I'll see people come in with bars that are too high. Yeah. And I get what you're thinking. Mm. I know. Comfortable. Like, yeah, so comfortable to be more sat up. But the thing that I struggle with is like, you bought a race bike. Mm -hmm. You bought an aggressive geometry bike. You kind of knew what you were getting into and it wasn't comfortable. So you, so either you or the shop or whatever stuck a 45 degree angle riser stem on there just to sit you up higher because it's comfortable. But it was just that that's a bandaid on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would almost argue, is it more comfortable? You know, it's some, that's the thing is half the time when you go up, it's more comfortable on your back, but your butt your, starts taking a lot more load. Your butt starts taking load, but you also, it, it, it causes a shrug. Yeah. And so, this is this is the analogy I use, and it may not come across audio wise, but if you walk up to a bar, Ooh. and the bar is like you know chest height, coffee bar is what he's talking about, folks. Coffee yeah. bar, uh, any whatever, whatever your bar of choice is. <laughs> if you step, if you walk up to a bar, you're not just going to like put your hands up there and like keep your elbows below the bar and like sit like that sit like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to take your whole arm, put it up there, shrug your shoulders high to adjust to the height of the bar, and then 
that's how you're going to get your hands up on the bar, but you're going to have the pretty big shrug. And that's what happens when your handlebars are too high. You're adjusting your, your shoulder height to, to adjust for the, the differences in hand pressure. So mm-hmm. when you, when the bars come up, your wrist angles get thrown off like crazy. That's why you see people with a riser stem and the handlebars that are tilted way far up yeah. because they've basically just thrown themselves into like a backwards lean mm-hmm. and it's not, not optimal. What I end up doing more times than not is getting rid of the riser stem mm-hmm. and immediately the shoulders, bloop, they drop. They come down, yeah. The shrug is gone. And that does not impact angle from chest to hip to knee. No, no, no. Torso angle and chest height don't mm-hmm. change at all. Mm-hmm. They're, it's just the shoulders relax yep. and they drop. So that, like, if you're, if you are that, if you have a riser stem right now and you're getting hand numbness, get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. <laughs> or get, have some video from the side, right? While you're riding and see what your shoulder, or, or yeah. have some body awareness, right? See, what are my shoulders yeah, doing? Yeah, if you do feel yourself shrugging. Do I feel like I'm going, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> while you're riding? Yeah, if you if you, if you you feel like you're shrugging or if from the side, your, like your shoulder is very close to your ear, mm-hmm. that's a dead giveaway. We, gotta, we can afford to drop the bars and relax the shoulders a little bit and it's gonna balance the weight out in your hands some because with the bars that high, you're, gonna, you're either causing poor wrist angles or a lot of weight in the hands. So- Drop the bars down, let your shoulders drop, and go from there. You know, move on to the next thing if you're still having hand numbness. Gotcha. So the other the other part with neck and shoulder is shrugging forward mm-hmm. or or reaching with your shoulders, as I explain it. That um, shoulder blade spreading. Yeah. So you're you're protracting the shoulders, or mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're rounding out your upper back mm-hmm. essentially. Um, that is where the whole fore and aft comes in a little bit, and the stem length. Um, that that is those are the easy ones to diagnose mm-hmm. um and most of the time if you can if you can have your hands on the the grip of the hood and so, so we're talking about road bikes now yeah, specifically you know if you're having hand numbness on a time trial bike um go in arrow more <laughs> <laughs> yeah get off uh, those work, wings. work your fit in arrow before you get yeah. too concerned about your bullhorns bull on yeah. a tt bike um, but on a road bike, if your hand's out on the, the shifter, the end of the hood, grip, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and you can carry a little bit of bend in your elbows, like you, you can just feel them kind of break, like, and they drop downward. That's probably pretty good. That's a good start. Just relax. To just relaxed elbows. Yeah. Just to decide if the, the reach of the bike is, mm-hmm. you know, decent at least the, the number one thing that I see that causes that shoulder to jut forward is your the transition from the bar to the hood. And so a lot of times it may not it may not be your fault when some, whoever built the bike um, either just didn't tilt the bars right before they threw the hoods on there mm-hmm. and then they wrapped the bar tape up and it and they called it good. Or they may just have a preference on where they put it on their own bike, right? Right. So those those hoods, if you've not seen uh, like a road bar, 
you can slide that hood up and down the curve on on the bar. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not a fixed point where you're putting those on there typically. So you're you have some flexibility on where that goes, and you can also rotate you know in and out. Right. Um, so in this situation, what you're seeing is someone's going probably too far down, a little bit too far down the bar. Exactly. Creating almost like a little U or a drop a valley between the hood and the top of the bar yeah essentially yes that's the two things you'll notice is either the 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 transition from the bar to the the hood looks Mm -hmm. like a u-shape so there's a big gap between the front of the hand and the back of the hand or the the hood is so far down the the bar that the back of the hand sits way higher and so with the with the more with more pressure on the back of the hand your body tries to balance everything out. Mm-hmm. And so it does that by adding pressure to the front of the hand. And when you tilt your wrist down like that, guess what comes next? Shoulders. That shoulder starts to jut forward to balance out the weight you know, across the whole chain. So mm-hmm. if you look at your bars and you notice that there's either like a big U-shape between your bar and the hood, or um, if your the bar itself sits higher and sits higher than Mm -hmm. the the hood itself, then I would readjust those hoods to make that transition as flat as possible and then retilt the bars. Yeah. Now go into retilting the bars. So where, where do you, where do you set a bar? So how does someone, how does someone even know if their bar is set correctly? So when I do a, when I do a fit, like I'll, I go through the whole shebang and just make sure it's all mm-hmm. all good from start to finish. So what I'll do is I actually set the drops first. So I'll loosen up the the bars, you know, if everything's good reach wise, I'll I'll loosen the bars up and I'll retilt based on the drops, and it's highly dependent on the the bend of your bar, the type of yeah yeah. I mean, every bar has a different amount of drop, different length you know, all kinds of stuff. So I'll find the sweet spot of the drop itself, mm-hmm. the flattest spot or like, yeah, the longest flattest section. I'll find that and I'll tilt it. I'll tilt based on that. Gotcha. And okay. so what I want is I want to be able to rest down on that flat spot for the most part, unless you have like an erg bend and then mm-hmm. it's, you want to rest. Now we're getting in the weeds. Now you're going to rest down <laughs> in. But okay, most bars, when they sweep back, you're going to rest down on that drop. Yeah. It, you don't want to have to feel like you're resting, pushing down and into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to, for the most part, be down, straight down on them. And so I'll set that first. Yeah. And then I'll check, hey, where's the, what does the hood look like? Okay. And at that point, it, if it's really bad, you may have to unwrap the bars and set them and then rewrap the bars. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, it's you can just loosen the hood and slide it up the bar and create that transition to be nice and flat. Yeah, that's where you're going to get the best balance. Sounds pressure like we need a YouTube video for in this. your hands. We might have to. Do, we might have to go <laughs> with a YouTube video. But if you have like even even the slightest like some imbalance front to back, you, you, your hand feels that. Mm-hmm. Your body feels it, and it's gonna correct hand angles and wrist angles and stuff to rebalance that hand pressure, or yeah, or to do its best to do so, right? Right. And so, get that get that transition flat. And I'll give away. I'm gonna give away a little bit of 
uh, a trick here that I've been using for years now that I, I, I debated whether to put it out there because <laughs> it's my secret. Trade secret? Yeah. So a lot of times where the hood touches the bar, depending on how the bar's wrapped, there may still be a gap in there. And you might be able to like on the back, very back of the hood, you may be able to push down on it and mm-hmm. it sinks. Um, I'll take foam insulation, like window insulation. That's just like a padded foam, cut it into a little strip and just put it under the back of the hood and just kind of fill that gap as much as possible mm-hmm. and then fold the hood over it. And it creates just a nice, smooth, helps the transition. The weight weenies out there aren't going to like this, Dale. It's like... You just added like foam. one gram. It's foam. Not even. That's a eighth foam. of a gram. But it creates a really, really smooth transition on the bar. Yeah. It helps it, you know, and I've done it on old bars, new bars, and it really, like I said, it depends on how the bars were wrapped, how smooth. The, the newer hoods are better about it because they have like little rubber it's got its own filler yeah okay. yeah but they don't always do the job if yeah. the bars were wrapped you know a yeah. specific way yeah so create that smooth transition see if you can get that to feel like it's just a like a super flat mm-hmm. uh section comfortable you put your right hands on. Yeah, yeah something where it feels balanced comfortable wrists are in a good angle yeah if, again if you look at it from the side and there's a huge variation between the bar itself and the hood, we got to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's that's my number one fix yep. for hand numbness is making sure that transition is super flat. How much does bar width? So right now on the road, especially in the road world, and even if you start thinking about gravel as well. So gravel, you start having some of these bars that are going wide. And in, in the road world, you're starting to see more and more of the bar is coming more narrow. It's kind of the thing that's the rage right now in the pro Peloton is, you know, 38 or less, uh, bar width. Have you played around with that at all? Have you noticed anything in that regard or just even guesses on what that could or could not do? Or is that something that you think would be a non-issue? No, it is. Um, so technically the wider the bar goes, um, the more that you are going to start engaging your scapula, like in your, your shoulders, you're going to have a wider stance. So your, your scapula are going to start coming together as your hands get wider. So that's shoulder blades that's, for the, yeah, shoulder blades. Sorry. So, um, yeah, so you can start if you get way too wide, um, and there might be something else at play, you know, in the height or something like that that's causing you to like shrug super far backwards and maybe upwards a hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're, sh- if you're, if you're forcing anything through yeah. your neck and shoulders, you're risking hand numbness. Yeah. So yeah, if once you get, if you got super wide bars, um, there's a chance that your shoulder blades could be retracted too much and you can pinch the nerve in your, you know, same similar nerves in your neck and shoulders. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen too much of it on narrow bars I know people are... There might end up being more like... I'm just kind of trying to think through what the position might be, but more shoulders up yeah, so towards would, ears, kind of compressing. That would be yeah. more of a, a more of a concern of like protracting the shoulders, rounding out the upper back. Yeah. Um, and then having the like the front of the shoulder come in a, you know, a good mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would think that that may be a lesser concern than too wide. Gotcha. Just okay. based on the muscles that are activating yeah. when you go wider versus narrower. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's not to say that everybody needs to go out and get 36 centimeter bars. Got them on order right now. I actually <laughs> just booked it during your little, uh, as soon as you said, okay. Yeah, but it can't, you know, that can be a, a part of it. So bar height, let's talk about bar height. We'll go, go on to that one. Honestly, I see less of an issue with hand numbness and bar height. I already talked about, you know, high, too high yeah. is common. Yeah. But too low generally isn't isn't the issue. Too low, like hand numbness too low uh, comes from your poor, poor core, flex, core strength. Gotcha. Because as you go lower, you, there's a point where like your core gives out essentially. Yeah. And then you just add weight to your hands because the spinal muscles aren't doing their job. Gotcha. So it's not like a... Are it, some people trying to go too low though and rolling their back and now having to take their chin way up and causing that pinch in the yeah, so, in the in the neck? So too low is similar to too far. Yeah, okay. And so in too low, again, you start to give you start to give way in your mid back and spine. Mm-hmm. Your your core becomes disengaged because you're trying to like fake a yeah. longer reach, whether it be forward or down. Um you know, down like low bars doesn't won't create hand numbness in the sense of pinching a sh- neck and shoulder, like a neck and shoulder nerve. Gotcha. It's more of a like we've now um, we have to reach so far that we're we're unable to hold it, and now we're adding weight because we can't we can't keep weight off our hands. Our core is not working gotcha. for us any longer. Gotcha. So it is a hand pressure. It's more of a more hand of a, pressure, okay. maybe blood flow issue. Gotcha. Um, and that's the first time you've kind of got into blood flow being more of an issue yeah, on this whole topic. So like, most of it's been numbness created by nerve, more nerve pinch. It's, it's almost always nerve. Gotcha. I mean, I, it's the thing with hand numbness and blood flow, generally speaking, it's people who are, there's two major things, people who are not real confident on the bike and they they put the death grip on the bars. Yeah. So if you're someone who gets out on a group ride and that's the only time you have numbness issues could be either you're putting yourself into a position you're not normally riding in or possibly more likely you're not super comfortable in a group. So you're death gripping things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, when I get people in for fits, I always tell them, um, ride with your hands open. Don't a second, you know, if, if you need to, you know, handle the bike or something, but if you're in a group and you're rolling, like try to keep your hands up, keep your hands on the brakes, keep your hands, you know, accessible to the brakes, but keep them open because as soon as you start to hook your fingers around the hood, you're putting pressure on the underside, which pulls the top of the hand down. So you're adding pressure to your hands, essentially, as soon as you start to grip. So is no hands even better? No hands is great. Just sitting up, no (laughs) hands? Not safe, but... (laughs) Definitely less weight in the hands. <laughs> yeah, so don't put the kung fu grip on the bars. Yeah, if you can, if you can, like prevent it. So if someone's got their fit where it should be, should they be comfortable riding in one set hand position over the course of say a three hour ride? That's a very good question, Brian. <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask that. Yeah, good. good. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even no. script this one. I just asked this one. <laughs> yeah. No, the answer is no. There is, there is honestly, in my experience, there is no perfect uh, bar position that is going to have you comfortable in one hand position for 
hours on end. Mm -hmm. You have to move your hands around. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just like turning your hands a little bit different, like putting your hands on the ends of the hoods and doing the old like crab claw, like mm -hmm. grab of the hoods. I like to pretend I'm playing a video game. Yeah, like joysticks. So you hold it like a joystick. Yeah, do the doo -doo, joysticks. Doo -doo, yeah. doo -doo. <laughs> I like shoot people on the ride. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. The car that buzzes me. Choo, choo. You could do joysticks. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fun with the uh, DI2 buttons. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra buttons. Mm -hmm. Pretend like they're missiles. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> such a child brain. <laughs> so, on the on the drops, you need to be moving your hands from the drops to the, to the hoods, mm -hmm. to the ends of the hoods. To the bar tops. Uh, to the bar tops. To the, yeah. to, like, move them around. You should be able to keep your hands in on the hood. You know, and generally the numbness all comes from the hoods. I don't. I don't necessarily ever get people saying my hands go numb in the drops, or the my, bar tops. Or the bar tops. Yeah. It's always on the hoods. Yeah. Because that's where the big variance in weight will be. Yeah. It's you when know. you're most extended. Right. Yeah. You, you're furthest, furthest away out. from the saddle. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of other pieces that mm -hmm. could be. There's angles not aligned. There. Yeah. This is also yep. part of the reason why we want people to get comfortable riding out of the saddle. Like, so you can't, I mean, we're talking about hand issue or hand numbness right now, but if your low back starts getting fatigued and tired or sore, or whatever, over the course of a ride, it's good to be able to stand, change up muscle groups, straighten the back out, adjust yeah. the position. It's good to sit up more and back more when you're on some climbs. Um, it, it's a way to give muscle groups recovery, but also to kind of take some load off certain areas that do anything for four straight hours and uh, you're going to have some issues. Yeah, absolutely. Except listening to this podcast. There's no issue with that. Four straight hours. <laughs> the, um, yeah, there'd be issues. The other little bit you were going to back to blood flow just because yeah, yeah. I'm not, we're not on it too much because I don't, it's not the major issue, but gloves, mm. people's gloves. I, uh, the glove manufacturers... The pads? Please tell me it's the pads. I yeah, can't stand the pads. the pads. Yeah. Glove manufacturers, um, they have great intentions. Yeah. But the, the the spot where most of the padding is, is right where the nerve and the main nerves and blood flow run through your hand. And so sometimes if the um, padding is too thick, it actually adds pressure to the hands. Yeah. I, I mean, just can't, I don't feel like I can hold the the bars how I want when I got this big pad right. on my already pad, the pad of my hand. It like makes it this, I don't know, I end up, I end up contorting and doing weird things when I, so I just wear like super flat I can't stand gloves. gloves. Yeah. Can't stand them. Yeah. And uh, anytime somebody comes in with hand numbness issues, the first thing, one of the first things I ask them is, do you wear gloves? Mm -hmm. And if they brought them, I'll, you know, Nine times out of ten, it's got giant padding mm. right on that the two pads of your hands. Winter gloves do those cause issues? Not, not new, usually. That's a more of a blood flow thing. People getting cold, cold hands, cold hands. But the hand, the it's gloves being kind too of numb. tight. It's a different yeah, it's kind a different, of numb. It's a different. Yeah, it's different. But I always tell people check the um, check the position by not wearing gloves. Gotcha. Like you should be able to ride a, a while without wearing gloves. I understand gloves if you're for like the grip part of it, mm -hmm. but you should be able to kind of wear gloves or to ride without wearing gloves. The two reasons I wear gloves, the grip when my hands get all sweaty and in case I go down, I want something protecting. 
protecting these. Ooh, I wish I had a. Uh, I wish I had a. I could pull up the picture of your uh, your meat claws. I've got it. I've got it in the old archives here. Yeah. We Brian, might need to post that somewhere. Brian hit the deck one time, and his hands were so tore up, it looked like he shoved it in a meat grinder. It was bad. It was I, gross. I scare kids on Halloween with it. <laughs> That's just what's posted on my door. My screen door. It's oh. <laughs> my scary Halloween picture. So, you wear gloves. Yes. But I just personally More padding is not more comfort. Right. Exactly. More is not better. Like, more padding in the saddle. Not better. Exactly. More height on the bars. Not better. More like, padding on your saddle. Yeah. Or chamois or, yeah, any of that could be issues. Yeah. So, um, gloves, get them, you know, find some gloves without padding. That's another thing to test. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can wear, if you can ride the bike without gloves, great. Like, but then you can find some gloves that don't have any padding and you should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Test it without. What if someone's, um, trainer indoors versus outdoors, if they have issues, one versus the other. Cause that, that probably happens some, right? I know I've had athletes before Speaking who said, language, I'm fine. Brian. I'm fine when I'm outdoors, but whenever I get indoors, I start having issues. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is indoors. Well, if you fit yourself, like people who are, who fit their own bikes, if you fit your bike and it wasn't level, mm. there's a fair chance that something is tilted incorrectly. And so whether either when you're, usually when you're outside because you fit it on a trainer when you get outside it's going to be tilted poorly gotcha um everything seem level you get outside and now it's all pointing downhill yeah and then when you like on with a um if you've been fit and you have numbness indoor a lot of times it's because you put too much lift under the front wheel and you try to you're trying to ride it like it's flat but it's not gotcha um so you're adding weight in places that so you haven't changed your body position. You've changed the way the bike is underneath you, yeah. which is now put it at an incline yeah. relative to you. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, some of the other, you know, like I said, when you, when you, when you're working with the bars, uh, like take it, take a, some side shots or something like that. And just see if you're shrugging, if you're shrugging, lower the bars, start there. And then retilt your bars to make sure that those hoods are as flat as they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. If you got a little bit of a gap there at the back of the hood, throw some foam under there and get that to be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit smoother. Yep. You know, and then you can kind of go from there doing small incremental changes. If you still feel um, weight predominantly on the back of the hand, this is where now we're into wrist wrist angles, basically wrist angles and hand pressure. We're fine tuning it. Um, you can work with the tilt of the bars in total, or, you know, if you're still, you can still kind of shimmy the bars up and down a little bit by smaller spacers or whatever to try to fine tune the, the pressure in your hands. Gotcha. So if you have pressure on the back of the hand, kind of the pad closest to your pinky, you can tilt the bars up a little bit and put a little bit more weight in the the front of the hand, kind of that gun grip Towards portion. Your thumb. Uh, yeah, closer to your thumb. Um, and then you know, if vice versa, if you if you have a lot of weight in the 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 grip, the thumb grip, mm-hmm. then tilt them down slightly and gotcha. Just some weight to the back of the hands a little bit. Tiny adjustments here. Anytime you're talking about tilt, yeah, tiny adjustments make big differences. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, just to recap, seat height. Step one. Tilt. Step two. Four and a half. Three. Make sure the back of the bike is where it needs to be first. Four, five, six. You can get away with a lot of stuff in the front end if the back of the bike is set properly. I think this is, could be a decent time to also talk about, when you mentioned taking pictures from the side. I think this is a decent time to mention that you sitting on the bike versus you actually pedaling and pushing while on the bike are two different things. Yeah. So if you're if you're fitting yourself based on a static position and then you are riding your bike totally different than that position you're sitting in for the picture, I mean, you can see massive changes in, in body angles there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A ton. I, I don't, I fit people, obviously we do video based fitting, you know, and for that reason, exactly. Yeah. And, and we kind of do some motion analysis during the fits, you know, whether it's visual or with the Leomo system, mm-hmm. but if you're not setting your position when you're go, when you're pushing and I do, and I make people basically ride at threshold, I'll take video while they're pushing at threshold because you're going to manipulate your body differently when you're pushing harder. Mm-hmm. And that's when we want to be super comfortable. Usually if you're very efficient and comfortable when you're going hard, when you're going easy, it's like, it's going right, right in hand in hand. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be comfortable easy if it's comfortable when you're crushing yourself. Mm-hmm. So I always make people go hard because the other part of it is upper body positioning changes drastically when people go hard. You're you're gonna hunker down like a lot. Like, you know, it's you go on a group ride and you're tootling along and as soon as the first hard pedal stroke, you, before you know it, you're you're going from a slight break in your elbows to like ninety degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, so y- you have to kind of know how you're gonna ride outside to judge things like reach and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so if someone's having issues, you you fit them, they're having issues and it's because they're changing their body position up because they're, when they're riding too easy, that's where you just tell them to ride harder all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) but I have had people come in and like, I'm putting them through some efforts that are fairly hard but they, because they're not like getting hit by wind and they're not like ducking behind somebody in a group ride, mm-hmm. they, they didn't give me like a, a really accurate look as gotcha. ha- of how they ride the bike. Yeah. And so I've had people come back in because we fit them based on kind of norms and, and good arm angles and they look comfortable on the bike and stuff like that, but that wasn't how they rode outside. Yeah. And so now that we fit them based on that, the, when they get outside and they start hunkering down, the bike feels too compact and too short. So then I have to go back and say, Hey, all right, I have a feeling you're riding a lot more aggressively. And I'm like, all right, let's crank this up a little bit. Let Mm -hmm. me, let me give you like a super threshold effort. And when they're going super hard, you can see it immediately. They, the elbows start to drop and they're, they're hunkering down. So that's where we have to actually increase the reach on them. Yeah. So that, um, the arm angles may be a hair long when they're just tootling. So that's exactly where I'm at with my bike. It's like, I, I feel a little bit stretched until I'm going hard, Yep. which is the position I want to be fit for is when I'm going hard. Yep. And that's when I get down, elbows go to nineties. I slide forward some on the saddle and it's a totally different yeah. fit than when I'm sitting up and tooling. I mean, around. that's a good differentiation there. So if you are, 
if you are a racer type or a hard group ride or whatever, you're, you're riding to ride hard. Um, yeah, you're going to probably want to be fit on a little bit, the long end of the reach. You're still going to, you know, when you're tooling around, you're still going to have a slight break in the elbows. You yeah. don't want to be locked out ever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to feel like your shoulders are jutting forward and your, your, your shoulder blades are being spread apart quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, you want to still have that break in the elbows, but you want to be on the long end because when you start hitting it hard, you're, you're going to bend your elbows and you're going to hunker down mm-hmm. and you still need that reach. But like I said before, if you, if the bike's short, when you get up out of the saddle to sprint or something, mm-hmm. you, you can't produce any force because your shoulders come so much f- forward when you come out of the saddle, all the balance is it's gone. basically you're ahead of the bars yeah. and you can't pull in a direction that's creating tension to the pedal. So we got to fit you a little bit longer in that sense if you are a racer. Mm-hmm. If you're a more endurance person and you're just an all-day, uh, you know. Rarely going to the drops. Yeah. Like you're if, on the hoods if, most of the time or bar tops. If you're doing scenario. it for endurance, that's great. But your bike your bike may fit a little bit shorter. Like you want that break in the elbows and those, mm-hmm. you know, slightly relaxed arms when you're going easier. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just, that's just rider dependent. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but you always are going to want to have some bend in the elbows. If, if you're, (laughs) when you're locking things out, we got problems. Yeah. If you're locked out, your, your neck and shoulders are taking the load Mm -hmm. and that's going to pinch a nerve right there. And that becomes more of your shock absorber instead of the, the muscles and the joints taking it, Mm -hmm. you know, through the, through the arms, you're taking it all or your core taking most of it. Now you're taking it with your neck bobble. Oh, 100%. Not good. No, you don't want to be, you don't want to have uh, two jackhammers going straight up no. to your traps and exactly. neck. Exactly, yep. Um, the kind of the um, the last thing is strength. I mean, we can't do a podcast without talking about strength work, right? I was wondering if you are going to slide it in here. I'm going to, here it comes. best for last. Um, if you if you have really poor core strength, there's a chance that there is, there's not too many positions that you're going to get in that you're going to be able to hold the weight off your hands. And so if you notice yourself like having crappy posture, if you like, again, if you're, if you take some video of yourself riding, if you're, if your stomach, your mid back and core is caved in and that's visible, like we're, check your posture first and see if you can get control over your spinal muscles and straighten out your spine. We're not talking like doing a squat straight, but we're just talking like you're, you're trying to stand on the edge of a cliff and look over it without falling off the cliff. That's the best way I can explain it. Ooh, right. It's gonna make my palms sweat. Timmy, Timmy, don't, you don't want to fall in the well, looking in the well, <laughs> looking over the well and no. in, but you don't want to fall in the well, yeah. but you can't put your hands on the side of it. Like that's the the posture that we want to have when we're on the bike. If you can't hold that, an aggressive position is not in your cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to be much more upright. Yeah, more upright, but not super duper upright still. But just look at your look at your um your back and your spine, and if that's the case, try to get the posture. Mm-hmm. If you can't physically do it, do some strength work. Yeah. Do, do, well, do it anyway, but yes, yeah, yeah. but then really do it. Get on it. Let that be the catalyst for you actually doing yeah. some strength work. And if you, you know, um, if you physically can't straighten your, 
um, like you can't even make it happen. Like you could be, you could really, really need strength work, but there's a good chance that the bike's just too long mm. or too, like too aggressive, too, mm-hmm. too far away. If you can't straighten that, straighten that mid back and, and get your core active. Your core's a- people, people that sit at a desk all day, like I'm seeing it more and more. They're locked into this sort of frozen shoulder, yeah. this protracted state. So like getting them into a position that's not like that's got to be a challenge. And the crazy thing about, you know, we're talking in bike fitting, it's all millimeters this and, mm-hmm. you know, tiny movements here, degrees. But if you have poor posture, the second you get good posture- your shoulders come so far forward. Oh, yeah. Like I've had to change people's stems two sizes just because we actually started getting their spine activated and and getting them kind of having better posture and their shoulders just came so far forward that like, ah, oh, we had to. So if you're, you know, if you're six, whatever, if you're six foot, six two, and you're riding a 90 mil stem, like there's a there's a problem there. Like that, that bike shouldn't be that short. Mm-hmm. Like unless you have just crazy short arms or something like yeah, that, or you way sized up. Yeah, but most of the time it's because your your posture on the bike is so poor yeah. that it's it's effectively shortening the reach of the bike yeah. or your reach, your personal geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, so take a look at the take a look at yourself doing some some efforts and just kind of you know start start playing with it. Start the saddle work the bars go from there go from there that's all i got funson i think i think that covers it man if you really really happy you snuck strength in there i hey was we can't go what's our streak we gotta have a streak going here can i say consistency (laughs) Consistency. just so it's in there said the word (laughs) you know if if all this is like just above your head and you're not following it like trust me i get it it's i mean i've spent years and years and years watching people move and studying biomechanics and how moving around on the bike affects not only your comfort on the bike, your aerodynamics on the bike, but also your efficiency in your pedal stroke and how your muscles are working through 360 degrees that you're locked into. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you question this and you can't just figure it out on your own, find a fitter. It's yep. worth every penny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just find somebody that other people recommend. That's yeah. the easiest thing. Don't just pick somebody out of a hat. But find people that other people recommend. Uh, it's a bonus if they have some background in movement or physical therapy or something like that mm-hmm. um, where they know the body, yep. you know, that sort of thing. That way, if they can, if they pick out something that's, clearly strength related they can also help you with that part of it too yeah um we do that all the time so you can always book a bike fit if you're local book a bike fit bpccoaching.com um we appreciate everyone hanging out listening and watching today we'll catch you guys next time adios peace